0: What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Since I'm in Florida, and y'all are so cool and calm, I'm going to try to sit down. I like that. You know, I tell people all the time, one of the things about Florida, I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. Oh yeah, I got... So, so one of the things that I'm saying is I got some amen corners because, you know, the, I, the, the type of preaching that I get, man, we get down and everything. But I understand. I get that. But, so I'm glad I got some amens in here. But, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, man, to just be called into this ministry because, you know, I'm not worthy of it. And it's just amazing to me how God chooses us even in the midst of our brokenness. Uh, but I appreciate being in Florida. You know, I, w- I was telling somebody the other day. You know, I never heard anybody really hate the Dolphins. You know what I'm saying? Like, even in basketball, I ain't ain't never heard nobody say, man, I hate Miami Heat. Now, I've heard people say they hate the Lakers and they hate all these other teams. But y'all always had this kind of even kill. Maybe that's just because on my side of town. I don't know. But it's just always, you know, every time I come to Florida, it's like, and I didn't think about this. I'm like, man, next time I'm just going to come in some flip-flops and a surfer shirt and just, just, y'all just cool, calm, and collect. But thank you. Thank you for having me this has been a journey. This has been a journey. Um, you know, I tell people all the time, I thought that my life was going to be totally different than the way it was. I thought I had it figured out. I thought I, you know, this is the way that I'm going to do it. And for some of you who are like over 40 years old, you realize it doesn't happen like that, does it? Especially whenever the Lord has called you to a certain place in a, in a certain time, you think that it's going to go a certain way, but he has another way of doing it. So with all that being said, I don't want to delay our time, uh, but I am glad to be here. Um, as he said before, I've been working with Crown Ministries, not quite five years I've been with them for two, uh, but before that I worked for a program called Bonton Farms, was in, the, uh, was in South Dallas. So uh, it's been a journey, but I'm, I love it. It's hard, it's difficult, uh, it keeps, and it keeps you on your knees, but I'm thankful for that. So thank you for being here with me. Um, I'm going to uh, pray real quick and then I'll read God's word. Heavenly Father, thank you for these wonderful people that are here. Thank you for allowing me to come to West Palm Beach for the first time. Um, Thank you for this church. Thank you for Pastor Chris. And I just thank you for the opportunity to just preach your word. Now, Lord, I just ask you right now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable unto your sight. Dear Lord, I do realize that you are my strength and I know that you are my redeemer. So dear me, Father, I pray right now that there may be somebody in this room right now. There may, this word may go over the head of others, but there may be somebody in here who needs to hear this. And I don't know who that person is, but Lord, I just ask you to remove me and let your spirit touch whoever that is. Lord, I pray that the spirit of this church, begins to understand that we are in anticipation of the bride in the marriage and supper with the Lamb of God who has taken away the sins of the world. And right now, Lord, I just ask your Holy Spirit to compel us, convict us to where we know that this ministry is not about us, but it's all about you. So right now, Lord, under the sound of my weak voice, I thank you for allowing me to preach to your people because I am unworthy. I have nothing to offer, but you do. So thank you, Lord, for allowing me to speak to your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I left my Bible at the hotel, and I have it printed right here, and when you get my age, you can't see as well. I'm not saying I'm very, very old, but my eyes are not the same as they used to be. But I'm gonna preach. I'm gonna uh, read the New International Version. It, it was cool. You know, I kind of listened to it. I'm like, okay, I can I can rock with that. So I'm gonna read out of the uh, NIV, but my message is gonna be based out of the ESV. This is a classical sermon. Many of you heard about this and this demonic man. I really believe that there were so many things that was happening before this happened in Mark 5. It's a it's a beautiful description. But we know Mark writes to a Roman audience. Um, Matthew talks about two people, two demon-possessed men coming around. But Matthew and Luke talk about one guy. That's what we're going to talk about. And the story is about this one guy. But I feel like the bigger part of this story is about us, right? Um, About what he was calling the disciples to and all the things that went around that. So in the NIV version, it says that they went across the lake to the region of Gadarenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with the chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night. And day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. But I like this part. But when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus has said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And in the Greek, it's basically saying that he continued to repeat this. Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Come out of this man, you impure spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He said, my name is Legion. He replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again to not send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. And the demons begged Jesus, send us amongst the pigs. Allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission and uh, impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the, the steep bank into the lake where they were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town, in the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legions of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind. Restored, And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people that he had happened to what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. As Jesus was sitting in the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him. But he said to this man, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell, tell in Decapolis, the 10 cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Amen to the reading and the hearing of God's holy word. This is a narrative. And in a the narrative, there's certain points that you can pull out of this. And there's kind of a subjective nature when you read a narrative of something in this narrative that means something to me. And perhaps you, and even in your own lives, there's something that could come out of this that, I mean, it may not hit us the same. But the reality in this text, the objective reality in this text, that Jesus is the answer. Right? And I want you to think about this today. As a a topic, and, and you may have another talk, but as we're thinking about some of the work that I'm telling you that I've done, and this has been lessons that's been taught to me, basically that God's mission to the other side. God's mission to the other side. Trusting in Christ's power and his authority over darkness. Three things that I've started thinking about whenever I was thinking about this sermon. And I was processing and I talked to this. I talked this over with the staff one time and I I said, you know, God's mission to the other side, whatever the other side is. And the other side doesn't necessarily have to be the hood. The other side could be the suburbs. The other side is something that you are not used to being at. So there's three things that I want you to think about today as we think about God's mission on the other side. Missions on the other side is uncomfortable say uncomfortable Missions on the other side has spiritual warfare say spiritual warfare And guess what missions on the other side is only for a few That hit right there didn't it Not saying I don't have the numbers But I've realized in ministry, many start off good, but it doesn't always end like that. I remember even playing football. We'd have 100 guys that come out. But as soon as the heat of the sun started coming and them bruises came out, it was down to 50. Little League football, everybody wanted to run the ball until tackle started. And then the next day of practice, nobody wanted to run it. It sounds real good, and we take pictures about doing ministry on the other side, but I'm here to tell you it's hard. And in Restoration Path, what we do is, in Restoration Path, we ask these five questions. Who am I? Where am I from? What is my purpose? What do I have? Then how do I use what I have? I was going to read the London Baptist Confession because it gave some good points. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but one of the things I liked about it, it says that he might through thoroughly furnish you to execute the offices of, of a mediator, which the office he took upon himself, but thereunto called by his father, who also put all power and judgment into his hands and gave him commandment to execute the same. The office of Christ in this position in Mark 5, was totally arbitrary to the people who seen him. They were still learning about Jesus. And to see this man doing the things that he did was amazing. And as you are journeying, you understanding the missions of God on the other side, there's some aspects of Jesus that you don't know about. And until you get on that journey, you'll realize it. But the question that we have that I used to ask myself all the time, I never asked my, the question, who am I? What is my identity? We see many people wearing jerseys all day long with another man's name on it. I I mean, I ain't going against you on that, but we do that a lot. But in our spirit, there's so many names that we're carrying with us that gives us our identity, but it's not the identity that God gave you. How do we live in the identity that God gave us? Well, one of the things as we talk about missions on the other side, missions on the other side is uncomfortable, and here's the reason why. You know, in this scripture, Jesus comes to Galilee and the first thing Jesus says to them is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Here Jesus is coming on the scene and these Old Testament minded people are like, what is this guy talking about? It even talks about John, John, uh, John the Baptist. I call him uh, a Jedi warrior. You know, this, this suit on with camel's hair and eating honey and, and, and. In the hood, no, I'm sorry, not in the hood, out in the wilderness. You know, and he's telling people to repent. And the word repent literally means, it comes from a Greek word that says to change your thinking. Change the way that you do life. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The rule of God is here because I'm on the scene now. They didn't know what this was. It was new to them. But I'll tell you, one of the things that I love about going to the other side... Is that even though it's uncomfortable, a lot of times when I was called to the other side, I started realizing my own cultural biases. Say cultural biases. biases. See, sometimes when you move out of your comfort zone and you begin begin to go into another place, there's a part of you that you thought was a reality until it comes to the place of the cross. See, many of us, there's some things in our lives that we have to die to that we're fighting for. This ministry is uncomfortable. The way that my life went, I wanted to be certain way. When I answered the call to the Lord, I said, I'm going to be in the middle of the hood and I'm going to be speaking and doing these things. And I never thought that I would become coming to majority culture circles. I didn't want to do that. Because of the pain and the things that happened to me, even though I answered this call, I told the Lord, this is what it's going to look like. And it was totally opposite. If he would have told me 20 something years ago that I would be doing something that I'm doing right now, I would have fought him because I had some internal wounds that I didn't want to deal with. And he began to have surgery on me. See, missions to the other side is uncomfortable because God has to prep you for it, right? And, and, you know, one scripture that I like in Proverbs, it says, the crucible is for the silver as the furnace of gold, and the Lord tests the heart. One of the things that I realize is that, and I'm going to use myself in that, I'm going to kind of walk this down. I love it how y'all have that time right there. That's really good. You got to do that for a brother like me, man. I love that, love that, love that. One of the things that I realized is the Lord was having surgery on me. He's always constantly having surgery on me. As he's moving me out of my comfort zone, I've always told, I tell a lot of young people, The Lord is either opening you up, cutting something out of you, and you're fighting it. You're fighting that scaffold because you're wanting to hold on to something that you're used to holding on to. And he's performing surgery on you. He's taking something out because he sees what you're going to become. And sometimes the place that you're going to become, he has to take some stuff out of you to be used the way that he wants you. But then there's a part of my life where he's trying to get me to be engaged in something. You need this in your life, and I fight that. I don't want that right now because I have control. One of the things that the Lord is doing with all of us, he's trying to tell you, I am in control. You have to depend on me, and I'm going to cut that that characteristic that you had. One thing that my wife always says that because I grew up in a rough context, I had to be a strong, independent woman. But whenever I got married to this immature man, oh yeah, immature, that independence would take over and we would have what you would call um, indi- indisclosed fellowship. Because there was immaturity and you're still telling me in the Bible that I got to submit to this man who's acting like he's 13 sometimes. Really? I'm independent and I've made it. I done went through all of this stuff in my neighborhood and you're asking me to submit to this. But see, when we misunderstand submission, that's when we battle with it. And we're not going to have a sermon on marriage this morning. But what I'm saying is, is that there's this wrestle With This is the very thing that I took with me that helped me to get a college degree, that helped me to look past some of the things that I had seen that affected me. This characteristic is something that I took with me every day. And God, you're asking me to give it up now. I got to give up my independence when I had to watch my kids and my brothers and my sisters and be a mom at a young age. I got to give it up. There is something that the Lord is asking you today to give up that you're fighting to hold on to. Because it means something to me. And so the disciples are here. There's some things happening on the scene. They're having success in Capernaum, in Judea. Jesus is coming. He's healing people. Man, Jesus is healing people in the synagogue and outside the synagogue. He's doing all of these works. Twitter's going crazy. Instagram is blowing up. Man, every time they're walking out, then he calls them apostles. Can you imagine? Now he's naming them as apostles. Not only am I a disciple, I'm an apostle now. I'm the sent one. So they're walking out here, bling, bling, and ready to rock this thing. I'm ready to go, Lord. Now what? What's up? We got Twitter followers we got the crowd coming out every time we go. Man, life is good. Sitting around the campfire, talking about how many people we have. Everybody wanted them. They were following them everywhere they went. And then now, you ask this question, how are you gonna ask me to go to the other side when I'm already planning my big next megachurch? You're asking me to remove myself from the crowd when everybody's loving me. Then you're asking me to go to a place where all of us fear is Jews to go across the Sea of Galilee, where it has high mountains and a low sea level and a storm could pop up anytime. Why would I do that when I got everybody chilling at my house? That's the question that we have to ask. Why are you asking me, Lord, to move to the other side? What does it look like for to be in a Capernaum mentality, but being prepared for Gadarenes? What does that look like? What does it look like to be in a Jewish world context? And now you're taking me over to a Gentile territory where they have pigs. I've seen you, Lord, working things out. Where well, you went into a synagogue and this man that was demon possessed, you just cast him out. I've seen you do some things, but man, what is going on here? Why are we here? Well, okay, I'm going to get on the boat with you. And as we're going on the boat, a storm comes. Can you imagine this? The very thing that I knew would happen, it happened. And I'm sitting here. See, here we go. We're going to die. I'm fearful being in this unstable situation. And then this man comes out. Not only does he have authority over the synagogue. Not only does he show his authority, now he has authority over this storm. He said, peace be still. What manner of man is this? That the winds and the seas would obey him? So they're looking at him like, who is this guy? It's God. It's God visiting you, the very person that you were looking for in the Old Testament prophesying about the next one will come. He's right here with you. He's just not who you thought he would be. See, you thought you would go to him, but he's coming to you in your mess. See, God teaches us some things in unstable situations that teach us his stability. See, sometimes God teaches you how he's a healer, but you don't learn that he's a healer until you're sick. See, he tells you to love your neighbors as yourself. That's a good scripture until you put somebody who you don't like next to you. See, a lot of things sound good and it looks real good. But then whenever he puts you in a place, look, you had these 12 disciples and it listed them in these scriptures. But it is amazing to me that Judas was there the whole time and the disciples didn't even know nothing about him. That shows his character. But God places us. You know, I said this in my life. I, sometimes I need a Judas to keep me on my knees. I want to be comfortable. There's this comfortability that I have. Romans 12 says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a metamorphosis. That word, that word, transforming metamorphosis. It's an inward, continuous growth process that you're having. But it doesn't happen until you present your body as a living sacrifice which is holy and acceptable, which is his reasonable worship. So here we have this thing going on where they're being transformed. He says in the scripture in, in Mark 4 and 21, talks about them being a light and don't hide your light under a bushel. We talk about being used and wanting to be used in ministry. But whenever you're used in ministry, what do you do when he puts you into an unstable place that you can't control? He's going to teach you that I'm in control. And the reason why many of us and the reason why I struggle with being up at night, not being able to sleep, struggling with depression is because I'm trying to do God's job. God has to teach you that he's in control. So before he uses you on the other side, he has to show you. I have this. Let me guide you to the people that I want you to talk to. Not you going over there wanting to find out who you want to talk to. Do you know that if your prayers go into the fashion of, I've gone into a place where there was thousands of people and a lot was going on, but God would send me that one person. He sent them, not me. And that's hard to do. Because when we see suffering, we want to go in and we want to change everything. But you got to sit back and let God bring the change to you. He's going to send you who he wants you to work with. Missions on the other side is uncomfortable. But it prepares us for what we go through. But missions on the other side has spiritual warfare. But in the midst of the spiritual warfare, he will provide for you. As we've seen here, talks about Jesus on the sea. It talks about him and what he had done. What you learned in the synagogue, you're not going to learn in gatherings. It's going to be a different learning curve. But he's teaching you how to depend on him. Spiritual warfare is real. Let me say that again. Spiritual warfare is real. When God came into the earth, to the world, and he, and he made it, he hovered over the deep, But it says that there was chaos and he brought order to chaos. And do y'all not know that that's the ministry? We have the ministry of reconciliation where I will go into a place. I will go into things that's out of order and it's chaotic and I will bring order to it because I'm God. And Jesus approves of this. Now, look at this. Jesus approves his authority over the spirits. You know, some people look at this text and they're like, what do you do with somebody who's demon possessed? Some people would be like, Man, this guy's out of his mind. It's a schizophrenic condition. Like, we have our medical terminology of what's happening here. We've heard this story before, and I've heard a bunch of debates by different people of what was going on with him. Here's the thing that I've always said Some of us in our church circles, even from the, the, the history of deism that, that used to be a part of Thomas Paine, where I believe in God, but. He's outside of things happening. There's nothing supernatural happening anymore. Then you have the super charismatic people that says God and the demons are at battle every day and everything is spiritual warfare. It's the enemy. It's the enemy. And they're super charismatic. They call that dualism. I'm in the middle. I know that there is spiritual warfare and it's happening and there are things that are happening to us that's coming at us. But it ain't no dualism because God is over everything. And if anything comes into my life, they have to, he has to get permission by him. And that's why we can't worry about the certain things that come around us because God has this. So where I'm from, we'll say it like this. God's got this. And we got to realize that even the warfare that I go through and it shakes me up and I want to give up and I want to throw in the towel. But you got to remember what God has started, he will finish it. This demon seen him from afar off, and he ran, and he recognized him, and he bowed down. Some say that he seen Jesus, and he was trying to scare him away, but I think he recognized the presence of Jesus. And he went down, and he bowed down to Jesus, and he was like, he was just ready, and you could tell that he had been in that situation for a long time. But Jesus asked him the question, what is your name? And I think many of us in our lives have never came to Jesus and asked him, Who am I really? I've asked that to many young people that I've worked with. Who are you? I've asked adults that. Who are you? There was a book called You Are What You Love. And it had this mirror in the room. And these men would come. They had all these different professions. And they would come. And he said, now be careful to the mirror because the mirror will tell you some deep, deep things inside your heart that you didn't even know and you was ignoring. So they go up to the mirror, and I'm kind of paraphrasing, there was a whole lot more into this. But they go in here, and here's a medical doctor in the mirror told him, everything that you wanted to do and that you were called to on the inside is not even happening. The life that you're living is nothing that I've even called you to. Can you imagine that? But we follow after certain patterns in our lives because we haven't asked the question, Lord, who am I in you? And this man did not know. He thought that he was what everybody said that he was. A crazy man that tears himself up with stones, that does all of these crazy things. But God looked at him and said, I only see the symptoms. But the root of the issue is you're my child. You are created in the image of God. Many seen him as a monster. Jesus seen him in the image of God. This man lived in the graveyard. It said that he was tearing himself with stones. He was cutting on himself. He was yelling at nighttime. He was in torment. There was something going on inside of him. And I've met Many young people, even my wife's brothers, as I lived with them and and I did things with them, there was this deep, deep anguish that they were having all their life. Many of us have daddy wounds. We have all of these empty things that is happening inside of us, and I've gone to this, and I've gone to this, and I can't get relief. If you go to the other side, you're going to meet people that have been wrestling with these types of things all their life. And I'm coming here. I don't have the answers. And I tell people we can put up the greatest programs in the world. But this battle is not in the flesh and blood. This battle is in principalities in high places. We are in a spiritual, invisible battle to the physical eye. This battle is real. And you know what? I'm okay with saying that some people are not called to go to the other side. Because the other side is not based on your great numbers, says that no one could bind him. Nothing worked. And it says that the word legion, he could have been a, a Roman military leader. We don't know. But it's a thousands of demons, and they were just tearing him down. He was being tormented. But can you imagine the feeling of once being relieved? My name is Legion. Give up everything that I thought that I had. How many in here has ever held on to some things and you're wrestling with it and you're just struggling with it? You have all of this deep hurt, this deep pain and this deep anger and you don't know what to do with it. And you get to that point where you bow down. Said that this word bow down means worship proskonia to bow down when I recognize the Savior to change my position. But many of us, when we see the Savior, we're still standing up wanting to have our way. But this man that had been tormenting people that had this bad reputation now bows down to Jesus. He saw him from a fall off. And they're upset. This man that had been terrorizing this place is now being delivered. And he asked, the the spirits asked him, Can I go into the swine? So they go into the swine, the pigs. That's how you know it's Gentile territory. They jump off of a cliff and die. Boom, boom, happy ending, right? No, the town people come and they're frustrated and they're saying, man, what are you doing? I had a, 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 ham, a ham and bacon special this morning and now I can't cook nothing. You're messing up our economy. And I will say this. There's been people that have been frustrated with us on Restoration Path because that person that you thought was what they used to be, they're not the same no more. There are some systems in gatherings that does not want people to come out of that situation. I'm used to him begging for money. I'm used to him using drugs. I'm used to seeing him breaking chains. I'm used to seeing him crazy. I'm not used to seeing him in his right mind. And there are some systems out here that lose money when people are really being changed. Can you imagine going into the community with that person that's always asking for money or getting on the corner trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents? Now he's a real estate owner. Now he has something. The system does not want that. A juvenile system is full of kids that shouldn't even be there, but they don't know who they are. Sorry, I'm getting a little passion, but that's what I'm speaking to myself because I'm that person. I'm that person that they said that I should have been in jail. I'm that person where they gave up on me, but Jesus didn't. So for some of us, maybe you haven't had that life and that story. But to be able to receive the peace from Christ, and you know that you're messed up, and you know you've made mistakes. And the very thing about it is that one time I went to the zoo, and I seen these flamingos. Hope I can get to my last point. And they were in this cage, man, and I'm looking, but there was no cover on the top. And these sparrows and all the, I call them the ghetto birds, were coming in there, eating up the zoo food. And I'm like, look at those sparrows, man. They come in in there, and the, the blackbirds coming in there, and the flamingos, I'm listening to them on Miami Vice. You know, they say flamingos are migratory birds. They fly for thousands of miles. Why ain't they flying out? Come on now, man. Why are you here? So I asked the zookeeper. I said, man, these birds are flying in and out, but the flamingos are just sitting here. And I'm not getting this, man. Like, what's going on here? But I realized, she said, well, when they were babies, because they didn't see the fly patterns of their parents, they lost the muscles in their wings at a certain season, and they developed muscle atrophy, and they weren't able to fly. They can flap their wings, but they don't have the internal structure to help them to migratory because they didn't see it at a young age. Let me tell you something. There are some things that I grew up and I did not see. And I've dealt with spiritual muscle atrophy. And I couldn't lead my family the way that I want. I couldn't follow the things that I need because I didn't have modeling. Until Jesus sent me the right people in my life. And I began to see that. But the difference between it being with Jesus is that he can put that muscle back in there. He can restore what the caker worm stole from you. And that thing on the inside of you that you weren't able to do before, now you can do it. When I see modeling, and that's what you are to do, if you are going to be called to the ministry on the other side, you've got to be a model to the things that Jesus wants, and you're not going to be perfect. The thing that I tell young couples, and I told that young lady on the video, sometimes I want to see you. I want you to see me and my wife get into it sometime. I want you to know that you don't have to be perfect to be used by Christ, but you do need to know that he's a perfect Savior that uses you. Lastly, missions to the other side only requires a few. I got this countdown. I may go a few minutes over, fellas. <laughs> missions to the other side again is uncomfortable. Missions to the other side has spiritual warfare. But lastly, missions to the other side is only for a few. Listen to me when I tell you this understanding the difference between multiplication and adding you cannot determine the ministry on adding and having a bunch of numbers it's the few it's the proud they say it's the marines and i've learned that the 80 20 rule is real there are people that will start off with you and they'll be on fire for jesus now when jesus before this isn't it amazing that he used the parable of the sore? And they're sitting around like, why are you telling us this? And Jesus is like, man, most of the people out there, they ain't going to get this. But you're going to get this because the kingdom of God is a mystery. They don't understand it. Why is this crazy surfer board guy going into the hood trying to talk to cats? Why are these dudes that, that don't even look like they should be a part of this? And you're sending them in the middle of a place that's contradictory to where they came from. See, God will wreck your worldview. God will wreck your presuppositions. He would do all of those things of how you thought that it would be. But here's the point. We can't determine, well, let me walk this through. He talks about the parable of the sowers, right? He says, some you throw the seeds and some of the seeds go by the wayside. Some of the seeds you throw them And it falls on stony ground, which means a hard heart, and it gets rooted for a little bit, but the roots are shallow. The conditions of the world, it burns up, and it doesn't last. Then some thorns, there's thorns all around, and they choke out the good things and no thorns. And that seed, all it does is care about the cares of the world and all those different things. But some falls on good ground. So here he takes this lesson of the parable, and he's having the disciples sitting here. And the very least person that you think that would use this, if you ask me, this guy doesn't have good soil. But Jesus said, yes, he does. Yes, he does. You can determine who God can and can not use. Let me say that again. You know what the mission was? The mission was I am going to reach these 10 cities. And as I'm reaching the 10 cities, I'm going to use the most unlikely God to do it. Because if you look at this, he says, Jesus, you healed me. Can I come with you? And he said, go back home. Go to the Decapolis. And this guy, the whole mission when they were sitting on the banks of Galilee was to go reach this Gentile city, and I'm going to do it with one guy. Isn't that amazing? I could have taken a ship of people on a cruise ship, and we could have chilled and went on the Sea of Galilee. But the battle that he's calling us two people, it's not a cruise ship. It's a battleship. We're in a spiritual warfare, and he's going to use us. And he uses the unlikely person. And look what one seed does one seed gives you back so much more. That's a beautiful thing. When he went to Samaria, he used one woman. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? When he went to the pool of Bethesda, a man that had been laying there for 38 years, he walked by multitudes of people and went to that one man and asked him the same question. And he was made whole. He went to one man. He went to one man and went to Decapolis. And in Matthew 7, I think it's Mark 7, 31, I could mess it up a little bit. People come back from the Decapolis changed. He used that one woman and she got everybody Samaria and came to Jesus. Do not look past the small beginnings. Whoever's in here, this message could have went past 100 people, but there may be one or two people in here, and God is calling you to this mission. He's calling you for this purpose. And he's going to ask you right now, are you going to let me use you? Lastly, I'm going to end with this. The farm that I live on now, they brought these plants uh, from Virginia. They grew up in Virginia because of the climate there. And they said the only way that these plants are going to work here in Texas is that we're going to have to put a greenhouse around it. We put a greenhouse around it and it developed this root system and then they planted it and it lasted because for a season it was in the greenhouse. Restoration Path, the program that we wrote, is not for everybody. God sends us who He wants, but then we take those people and we put them in the greenhouse. And we nourish them and we come alongside them and we cultivate them. And the thing about being called to the missions, you got to be a good farmer. you got to be able to see there has already been a seed planted in that person. Now all I'm doing is pruning. But then there are some people that I plant a seed and I won't see any success ever. There are going to be some people that come into your life and you won't see success. That's what this missions is about. It's about the challenge. Of how this happens so I hope and pray that there was something that you gathered in this is that yes this man was restored he was restored but I wouldn't have never thought I would have thought that he would have went with Jesus but there was a purpose why he sent him back and we need to pray for those people but another thing that we need to realize as we're going to the other side A lot of times we'll look at this text and we'll think that we're Jesus in the text and we're not. We are the demon man too. Where were you at before Christ came and got you? Right? Sometimes we're the disciples and we're looking around. We go to church every Sunday, but we really don't believe God is going to do anything. How many of you really don't believe? There's some of us that we love Jesus, but we don't think that the community is going to be changed. But I'm glad it's not up to us. And it's up to him. Amen thanks for visiting us today make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com